This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is back. My name is Brian Robb, the one and only Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston is here to join us. And guess what, Chris? We're almost 10% through the season right now. 10 games in the books. Actually, more than, more than that. 12%. 12%. 12%. 12%. You got to get your, your analytics are slipping. Me, this is dad brain. Getting me early and often today, but we—that's too funny because we were just we were just filming something for Celtics post up, and and Amina was saying she's got mom brain, and uh, so yeah, I think new parents, <laughs> new parents, as 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 having lived that life, and even now, thirteen years later, I'm still saying I have dad brain. So, uh, yeah, uh, t- I, it, it, I don't know, and it, ten games in, it doesn't feel like we've got enough to make wholesale decisions, but uh, I think that's what we're gonna do, right? We're doing it. We're going through, <laughs> um. Let's say eight takes, eight quick takes from the season. Ooh. We'll alternate back and forth. What stood out? Okay. What's a surprise? Anything that comes to mind with this season so far? Throw them around because we're going to do a little turbo version of this pod here. Okay. And I'll start out here. Um, I don't think this is the most important development of the season, but I do think it's pretty important for the present and the future um, in terms of um, the bench play. Um, mm. Sam Hauser can shoot. <laughs> and he can shoot in NBA games. And I feel like this is an area, Chris, that they've been they've been trying to find someone like this mm-hmm. for, for years now where they get that undrafted men player that can, you know, fill a big need. And boy, they seem to hit it with this guy um, so far. So a couple of funny things. One, I can remember right when they traded for Derek White, uh, I got to do the interview with Brad for our network uh, in the aftermath. And I said to him, I said, you know, what does this mean now? You've, 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 you know, had to give up some pieces. Your bench is a little bit thinner at that point. Would there be an opportunity for a guy like Hauser? And he's like, you know, we need to be very Miami-like. We need to start finding some, some gems. Like Derek White costs a lot of money. The top of the the roster costs a lot of money. And then Sam Hauser really didn't play. Down the stretch. <laughs> right. <laughs> And, you know, look, they were, I think they were trying to they were trying to figure out what, what they had in Neesmith at that point. But, you know, even he didn't get a whole lot of run there at the end as they kind of crunched down the rotation and just leaned on their guys. Um, but, you know, I, I kept I had this 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 thirst for like what Sam could do. I will not think that and, and tell you that I thought he could do this. Um, and yet what a revelation. Imagine if someone had told us in Las Vegas back on July 7th or 8th or whatever it is, after he went, what, 0 for 10 from the floor or whatever, uh, that this guy was going to be a 56% three-point shooter in the NBA this season. I think I would have laughed at you. But yeah, to me, the bench as a whole is probably the biggest early season positive. And they haven't been perfect, but finding that diamond in the rough with Sam Hauser and getting what they've gotten from Brogdon, like we, I think we forget quickly because there's other issues going on with the team that we'll get to but that like the bench was such a pain point in those playoffs and especially in the finals for them to look as good as they have and when they win like the bench thrive that's as, it's like it's easy as that and it's going to get even better once Derek White's back there and all that so uh yeah like I, th- I think Hauser in 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 general they needed someone like no one is sitting here thinking about Danilo Gallinari anymore you know like no. that seemed like a pain point now Hey, let let Hauser shoot. Is it sustainable? I don't see why. I mean, is fifty six percent sustainable? No. Is is forty five percent sustainable? I don't see why not. Given the quality of he looks, he's going to keep getting here. Do you think? He, do you ever think he's going to miss when he goes to shoot? At this point, no. 
It's, it's weird. They're, they're so clean, and the release is. is so fast. I I just I just marvel because I mean that's that's the the biggest compliment you can give a shooter is that you have that fear that they're going to make it every time, and now teams have to think about that. Imagine once he starts driving cl- closeouts more and doing the Grant Williams on the other side and 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 putting the ball on the ground. I don't think I, I bet Sam has less dribbles than he has total three pointers this season. Uh, if I had to crunch the <laughs> analytics, but um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's in, it's impressive, and it, it's it's but it, imagine if I had said. 10 games into the season, we're going to start a podcast with Sam Hauser, and yet here we are. Boom. Um, yeah, and the other great part is that over 90% of his shots have been from three-point range, too. So that's in terms of getting the right shot selection here. And if they want to follow the Miami model, I guess the next important key here is, you know, don't pay him $20 million a year um, <laughs> for, for a four-year deal. A couple of, but they don't have to worry about that. They got him signed oh, a three-year deal. Oh, you've up for three years. Three years now. That's a, that's a big win for... Uh, that front office right there as they uh, plucked him again, right after the draft um, last year and waited him out. And lo and behold, he's uh, become a pretty big part of the bench. Everything, everything about that. Like if he, if he, if he had been a two-way player and done this, then they might've had to pay, you know, presumably a little bit more if he had showed what he has so far this year, even coming off a two-way deal. Like, I don't know, like if someone would have splurged, but certainly based on what we've seen. And so just long story short is, it all played out the right way for the Celtics. And now they might have a rotation piece on the cheap uh, deep into their future. All right. You hit the bench there. So we'll count that as number two. I'm going to go to number three here. Are we looking at the best offense Ooh. in NBA history? History? I, that, know, I that expect- is actually a question that is. Uh, that is a question we have to ask about the Boston Celtics who were terrible at offensive efficiency last year. For like stretches, like not the end of the year, like, but for, for certainly at the start of the year. Yeah, it's kind of wild. 118 offensive rating as we record this. And the record, I think, is 117.3. The Nets a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, you know, depending on which which site you're you're taking your numbers from. But if you go off the NBA's actual data, um, yeah, right now this is the best and most efficient offense in the NBA. And yet, you know, every time I think, is it sustainable? I think there are at least two to three painful lulls per game right now where they could be even better. And you look at like Sam's number of 132.5 when he's out there and, you know, even Tatum's a little, I think, below the number. So it it just feels like it could be sustainable. Now they'd have to maintain some really ridiculous three-point shooting, but this, the way it's built. And so my question to you, B-Rob, is who gets the credit? Like, is this just <laughs> them having the right pieces? Does this Is this a Brad thing? Is this a Joe thing? Is this just the players? You know, like, who who are we giving credit for the Celtics now having the greatest show on Parquet? Ooh, that's a really good one. I mean, you're certainly dividing up that pie. I can't mm. give a, a whole pie credit there. But yeah, who gets the majority my network of the pie loves, right now? My network loves blame pie, but Ooh, credit pie. Credit pie yeah. doesn't taste as good. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not as fun to, to deal with. But uh, as far as... The credit pie goes. I honestly think the biggest slice has to go to Brad in the front office. Yeah. From a standpoint of like, I think Brogdon is just a complete game changer for the bench. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously when he, when he scores there, um, when he, he, when he plays with the starters, you got Hauser, you kind of, you kind of found, it took them a little while here, but you found the right mix, even without Rob Williams in the fold. And you're obviously showing some um, weaknesses on that front, but, you have enough to counteract that. And I think honestly, number two probably goes to Missoula in terms of wow. like leaning, leaning into offense head first at the beginning of the year and whatever it's where it's the no timeouts dynamic or just um, 
Wait, 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 wait. We're giving him credit for the touchdown. <laughs> no, no, like you don't think like I mean, I don't think we're giving him credit for it. And what we'll we'll save that for another takeaway here. Yeah, okay. On the the whole timeout idea, but I do think of a fact you're like, guess what? Like we're playing offense this way no matter what, all the time. Mm-hmm. And this is and whether they, they don't actually do that, but that's like getting them to buy into that dynamic play like that. And I think part of that is like, guess what? Yeah, you give eight points in a row, guess what? We're gonna go run the same play mm-hmm. again and we're gonna go try to do our thing there. So I don't think it's that's going to work necessarily in a playoff series or in other against elite opponents, but um, through 10 games on a night to night thing, they're, they're obviously the, the good times are outweighing the bad offensively um, pretty consistently so far. Yeah. So I'm going to take that seesaw. And if, if we're up here on the offense, I'm going to go, I miss Rob Williams mm. because the defense just hasn't been itself. And I mean, I, I don't know what the balance is. I do think it's obviously been a little bit better the last few games. And I do think there's been progress there. Certainly they got a, a, it feels like, I mean, just anecdotally, I haven't, I I haven't been logging this all that much, but it feels like they're getting away from the drop more and just like living with the, the more switching and getting back to sort of what they were. Um, But it, 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 I wonder what the difference will be when Rob's out there. I do think there's a natural tendency when your offense is humming like this, it's a little bit harder to dig in every time on defense, but I'd probably feel a little bit better if the defense was what was ahead right now and that they had just made like incremental progress on the offense. Um, so I'm struggling to, to, because just as you said, this offense probably isn't sustainable into the playoffs. It can be great the regular season. It can be otherworldly. And it's great if it's better than it was last year in the playoffs, but the defense has to, to, kind of play catch up and is Rob coming back in mid-December or whenever enough to get it where it needs to be yeah I mean how devastated are you if, if things like start to go haywire if Rob comes back and he just like that would be mess this up a little bit like what I don't know are you gonna be able to like that would night? be this is like if Noah Vonley is a better offensive option yeah, right. than, <laughs> than Rob Williams then I need to Rob's like a shooting like, I need to reevaluate life choices and uh, and and sort of. Uh, but the numbers uh, say that won't be the issue. Like Rob, the numbers offensively for the Celtics have already always yeah. gone through the roof with him on and, the floor. And I just think with another lob threat out there, it should just it should get them even better shot quality right. looks. It doesn't feel like that's possible. But I mean, one of the things we and this will be one of the takeaways. Obviously, is part of the reason their offense is awesome is because Jason Tatum has ascended to a whole new level in terms of like ability to fight through bad nights and weather a storm and get to the free throw line. And that has a trickle down effect when there's all that attention on him. And so uh, like, I think the offense won't budge. I think you're probably right. We're going to have some sort of overreaction. Rob will come back and be like, Oh, the offense isn't as good, but it's just probably naturally going to slide back a little bit down to earth. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I would, I would be, I would be surprised if defensively they don't play a little bit of catch up in, uh, in when Rob comes back, I've started wondering, you know, Rob was the the number one for uh, uh, odds on defensive player of the year at a point this this summer, missing whatever it ends up being, eight to 12 weeks, will uh, probably likely take him out of that mix. Although if he played, you know, 50 games, maybe uh, you muscle in because that, that award isn't as fickle as, you know, all NBA and, and that such. But um, I do think, like, it's got to get better. I think they'll just the, – the I had – and I'm biased. I have to always qualify that. But I I didn't know how much he covered up for. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, the when Marcus has those moments where he's not as locked in, Rob cleans up a lot of that. And that goes for everybody on this team. And so uh, I think they, they need him back if they're going to get to the level that I feel a lot more comfortable saying 
that this is a, a championship team. First, we're going to hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. With football being back, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You can find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf, and this NBA season going on right now. So head on to Bet Online. .ag to join, receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. What's your prediction on his return timing? I, I, like, I feel like, you know what? I always feel like really weird when people are, are like, yep, on, ta- on, on, on target, everything's moving, moving great. It like feels like we're setting up for a, like a stomach punch. But I keep wondering. They, they, one thing they've stressed is they won't rush him. And so, as you win games like you have this past week and win three games in a row, now there's not such an urgency to rush him back. When they were, what, three and two, I was like, oh, my God, trot him out there on one leg. Seven and three, now I'm like, okay, you know, what's what's the urge? So what do they got? They got that long West Coast trip in yeah. mid-December. Maybe yep. right after that, you know, part of me wants to do the whole trot him out there on Christmas and like as a Christmas mm. present for everybody. But I don't know if they'll wait that long. If he's ready, he's ready, right? Like, right. Just, so, I, but I would think it would be tough for me to envision a scenario where a lot of travel on that trip. Do you do you bring him out west? Maybe he's he's on that trip, but he's not playing yet. And uh, yeah, or maybe he's out there for the Warriors game. Like I, that might be ambitious, but um, yeah, like I hope it's a, I hope it's a it's a it's a game of magnitude. Those things matter when you you do get a little jolt when even if he comes out and plays ten minutes and just shakes some rust. It'll be like a perk situation coming back from the torn ACL where you just show like I feel like there is just show up, right? up one day like oh yeah perks playing. Do you remember, <laughs> do, I don't know if I've ever told this story on. Uh, did, do you remember that? Do you do you remember how we found out? No. So I was, I was just starting to cover the team then, so I, I don't even know if I was like in the building at that point. And he he left his playbook in his locker. And it said on the back, "Welcome back, big man," or something like that. <laughs> and I and I remember I saw it and I was like. I was too scared to just, you know, and this is the early days of Twitter, but I was like, I can't just go with this. I need to go find someone. So I run running out to the to the to the front and uh uh Jackie McMullen had already she had actually just sat down to talk to him for something she was doing for ESPN and uh he admitted he's like, Yeah, I'm back tonight. Wow. And so yeah, then then it sort of there snowballed. Goes, there but yeah, it was funny. Like <laughs> back in back when the you know, nowadays they keep everything under under tight lips, but no, it's just a, a big hey, welcome back, big man written on his the front of his playbook. That's great. Yeah. Um all right, next one for me. I'm I'm still curious. And we actually, this is still a semi-concern from even from Monday night's win over the Grizz. Um, crunch time, offense Ooh, in general, lineups. Yes. Do we do we think that they're figuring this out? The same kind of concerns are, are lingering there um, in terms of not scoring and not being able right. to get consistent stops in these critical points of the game. Do you have a lineup you like or you don't like? whether it's going big, small, it's where, what's the temperature at on this? Interesting. I don't have a lineup I like yet, but. Is I that concerning? Like I guess... Yeah, I think so. I, I do like that Joe showed the ability to be like, hey, Marcus, you're not helping us right now. We're going to lean on Brogdon or what yes. or whatever. On the opposite side of it, you know, sometimes if you're just throwing darts with that and you don't know who's going to be your, your your crunch, I do think they need to settle on that. And again, maybe maybe when Rob's back, maybe that's easier to, to decide. I don't know if Rob will be like the, the crunch time guy or not, but, um, you know, they got to figure that out. And it, it is a concern that the offense tends to go stagnant, that 
they get away so much from what they do and that they seem to just you see the panic even last night like the the two travel calls on Grant and Jalen were like yeah. preposterous. It's like they're finding new ways to let teams back into games. And so I do hope that they sort of experiment a little bit here. It wasn't if, if we think, and, and maybe this is just me, I feel like Joe is very much a clone of of Brad and operates in in very similar ways. And I think what did Brad do throughout much of the early part of seasons? He would he would tinker and try and and trying to figure out what he liked, and then he kind of lock in later in the year. I wonder if Joe's trying to get a grasp and data and and stuff like that on on what works best. But yeah, I would I'd feel a lot better if we knew what the uh, what the Celtics crunch time lineup was and if their numbers were better. Although the one other I mean I'm I'm qualifying everything here. Uh, Remember last year, my biggest concern going into the playoffs was like they don't win crunch games, and and it's not like you can just turn that up. And then I read like someone actually did a uh, like a study on it and was like, no, there's no correlation between regular season crunch time and postseason crunch time. And sure enough, the stupid Celtics go out and like dominate crunch time in every game in the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, I won't get they blew too some up. though too, like game what was it no, game and, that, five and that's fair and too. The box, like you're, it, you're, it, if they had taken care of business quicker, then they would have been fresher against the war. There's like right. we can play that whole game. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, but like, I mean, they were they were like epically bad, I thought, in crunch time yeah. last year. I would like to see some incremental growth there. Maybe that's the final frontier for 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 the Jays and stuff is to like, okay, like it's crunch time. Give us the damn ball and like not make stupid errors like the entire team has. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even hit on Tatum here. And I feel like that's, again, my, like I said, the, with the growth he's made this season, I think now it's like, He's the number one guy you want to have the ball in crunch time. And honestly, number two might be Brogdon just because I feel like yeah. he doesn't panic. And he's like, all right, this is an adult in the room who doesn't have a history of this, of yeah. just like turtling in these spots. So guess what? Like things seem to go well when the ball is in those two guys' hands. And so that's I think, something. I think you might have tweeted it. That that it, and, and, and forgive me if I'm giving you credit for someone else, but <laughs> it is interesting to me that Smart, I, like he did not have a good start to the year. I thought he no. was like he was he took some the numbers are terrible crunch time. And then ever since going to the bench for the, the crunch time, mm-hmm. it's 23 assists to two turnovers or whatever. And it's like, oh, maybe maybe Marcus needed a little reminder about, you know, what he needs to do to thrive. And good for him because they're all they can all be guilty of that at times this year where it's just the, there's a singular focus. And now, you know, you just kind of got to get back to what you do. And maybe that's the secret to the defense as well. Like, hey, you got to commit. You got to dig in. You got to get better. And we'll see if the rest of them want to want to ramp it up a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And um, it's that the competition is there. There's mm-hmm. still plenty of options for Joe to, to pick from. And um, I think it's clear that he doesn't want to lose any of these guys. But at the same time, he has to be like, hey, yep, you got to do what you yeah. do best or else guess what? We got someone in. Should, should we do some should we do some Tatum talk? Like, I mean, yeah, let's talk close about, out. Like, the guy who might be the yeah. MVP. Yeah, I think we should I think that's fair. Okay. 31.2 points per game, almost 15% shooting from the field, nine free throw attempts per game. I, what, what, I is what, he, what's what is the what is your favorite thing about Tatum's growth this year? Oh, I think it's easily the the finishing around the I think he's gotten a lot smarter with his shot selection yeah. around the rim. Floaters. Oh, floaters, just like putting himself in better. Like, when's the last time you saw like an out of control yeah. shot that was like, oh, what are you doing? Like that, that I feel like that shot has kind of disappeared from his his diet. I mean, we still see them from like Jalen 
which is a, I mean, another story, but that's, that's, um, another, that's, an, that's another, another, <laughs> yeah, we can go there another day, but um, for that now, it's like, yeah, this is, that. that's the thing for me. What, what do you, what sticks out to you most? Uh, I really, and maybe it's recency bias, but watching him kind of want to guard the other team's best player at mm. the end of games is really encouraging. I'm not looking for Jason Tatum to go out there and want to guard the best player all night. Like, I think that's, you're wasting his energy because he has to carry such a, a burden on that offensive end. But I love that you think back to the Cleveland game, blocking Donovan Mitchell at the buzzer to just force overtime. The last night, taking Morant on at least three or four possessions there at the finish line, getting the block on the leaner, a couple threes that he just kind of challenged them to take over him. You know, maybe I'd feel differently if he made them. But even then, one of them, he leaks out and does the big exalt at the other end. Um, I think we're seeing sort of Tatum recognize if he's going to be in the MVP conversation, that side had to be a priority. And not that it wasn't before, but he just kind of got away with it based on being six foot 11 and long arms and, and all that. And now he's sort of harnessing it a little bit and taking on that challenge. And so that's what's, that's what's going to differentiate him from Luca might put up more points, but Tatum's better two way right now. I don't know if he'll ever get to Giannis's level of impact, but might, maybe that doesn't matter because voters get fatigue and, uh, maybe it'll just be like, okay, the Celtics win 60 games. Jason Tatum scores the first Celtics to be 30 plus points. And, you know, he plays really good defense. Maybe that's enough to get him in the MVP conversation. Not that he doesn't belong in that conversation already, but when you're the best player and you're impacting both sides for a 55, 60 win team, you're just all the more likely to be up in that convo. Yeah. I think he's knocking down that door pretty firm right now. And I think, I mean, he's been the best defender in this team. And the free throws and the free free throws throws are just, just huge. But that's into my veins. (laughs) Go with a purpose, which, you know, again, like you said, uh, I think Jalen Brown's had a lot of good moments. I feel so bad because he's had like a bunch of 30 point games and and yet like the turnovers and just like the reckless drives. What I would say to this is because there'll there'll be people that look at this and go, oh, there's, there's such Jalen haters. Like if he's, he's, he really has been really good and uh, in stretches and yet he has just those lapses that you wish. And I think it's just because we hold him to such a high standard um, for what he can be. And you know he's got it in him. So he's just got to show it more consistently. Yeah, it's it's an awareness thing. And hopefully they keep – it gets drilled, drilled into him when, you know, you look three or four defenders are just waiting for him down there almost every time. Now it's, it's probably frustrating for him, but that's the, that's the play that you need to make at that point. All right, a couple quick ones in the way out here. Yeah. Number one – or this will be number seven for us. I'll have you close out here. Um, I appreciating the Al Horford is playing the second <laughs> half of the back-to-back stance, um, <laughs> heading into every back-to-back, and then coming up with something at the last minute to, to have to sit out there. I, I hope they, I hope they continue this with this the whole season. I, I um, do. And after after uh, all those teams started getting fined for, for injury yeah. report shenanigans, I thought maybe the Celtics would have to to peel back that curtain. But I, yeah, like credit to Al. I like it. I, I fully 100% believe Al wants to play in every oh, of game. Course. And I fully 100% believe the Celtics know that is a ludicrous idea. We talked about <laughs> it in the preseason pod. Like, if he got anywhere near those 2,000 minutes or whatever it was, the crazy number last year. He's already playing 20 minutes. He's already playing 32 minutes per game right now. <laughs> I, exactly. So you have to protect him from himself and you're rewarded because there's nights like last night where. You know, Al looks like he turns back the clock for a couple plays and like had one loud dunk. And I was like, wait, is he like flying in and hanging on the rim and uh, throwing down alley-oops and stuff like that? So 
yeah, pr protect Al from himself such that uh, when he's 37 years old in the NBA Finals next year, that uh, he still like, he still has a little bit left in the tank. But yeah, um, uh, lower back stiffness is also the best injury for anyone who's 36 <laughs> years old in the NBA. Because I, I like, I, uh, uh, I, after a round of golf, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, feeling that. Oh, Love so it. I'm trying to think what we can close out on. The only person we really didn't like hammer home, but so Derek White has been an analytics darling and will help the bench when he goes there. He's done good enough with that group. It's weird. His on off splits are like amazing, even though he's played most of his time with the starters and the starters, they're on. Are trash. So go, go figure. That's just one of those guys. that just makes good things happen. Grant has been obviously much better than what, and I wouldn't say much better, but came back with more than I expected. Um, and so my my final thing will be oh we'll we'll throw we'll, we'll keep it topical disabled player exception which people but get get all, get all worked up about um I mean thank God Dwight Howard signed <laughs> you know the Taiwan the season, um because I could not take any more Dwight Howard talk uh they're just gonna wait and use a, with buyout guy right like that's yeah. the only real advantage it gives them hundred percent and that make it I mean. And who knows how much money matters in those situations. But if you do have, like, you're going up against the Bucks or some other big-name team that you have, you can say you're just as much of a contender as them, then, yeah, throwing a little extra cash on the pile there can't hurt. But, yeah, I, I don't expect this to be used until late February at the, the earliest once the uh, the trade market says it was yeah, out. But... I, and, I mean, I keep telling people, like, if they wanted Dwight Howard, they could have signed him before a disabled player. <laughs> yeah, I know. You still need a roster spot. You still got to get rid of poor Justin Jackson or whoever would be the fall guy in that instance. And uh, yeah, I just don't. I, I just don't see this team feeling it's an urgency. And now, when you're seven and three, that you, you have that luxury a little bit. So as long as they keep winning and a couple layups against the Pistons here, and and maybe you're feeling pretty good, and you get through to Rob, and then we've said it from day one, they're gonna look up and evaluate. Do you need a wing more than a center? And um, you know they'll figure that out. But certainly. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what three point two million dollars with a guy who's in the final year beyond like the signing a a, a buyout guy is. It, it it just doesn't make sense. There's just not many contracts out there to even fill that, much less um be someone you want. So that, don't worry. Uh, everyone online is going to tell us that you take the DPE Peyton Pritchard, <laughs> yeah, combine it, uh, and seven TPEs, and you combine it and get a twenty six million dollar player. So, uh, oh, let, let let's end on that. Uh, Peyton Pritchard, do you uh secretly seething or just like resign to his fate? I mean, he's got to be seething. Kind of like, sucks, right? It like, sucks. It, it's brutal. It's like, oh, yeah, the Celtics are the best three-point shooting team in the league, Chris. And guess what? Payne Pritchard, <laughs> their best three-point shooter heading into the season, isn't even playing. That's wild. It really is wild. Um, yeah, I feel bad for him. Uh, I was sitting down with Marcus Smart. I mean, whatever the last practice was, October at this point. Um, but, yeah, he was he was really trying to encourage him because you could tell, even just working out at full speed, he was he was frustrated mission shots. And so, hang in there. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White and Marcus Smart injury history suggest there'll be an <laughs> opportunity. Right. So, uh, it sucks that you got to wait for that, but good on Peyton for for being a good teammate while, while waiting that out. Yes, it's a... Uh... It's a luxury of riches for Joe Mazzulla off the bench, but certainly a tough spot for uh, a luxury for, for the for the greatest offense in for the, the greatest world. offense in the world. And speaking of great offenses, Chris Forsberg, <laughs> great wardrobes, NBC Thank Sports you. Boston. Make sure you check him out on post up, uh, Celtics post up on NBC Sports Boston tonight. Yeah, if, if you post. watch this on Tuesday, click over. Yeah, like, this will be out. Don't worry we'll about the elections. Was well, it eight o'clock tonight? Eight o'clock tonight, I believe. All right. And then you can go over to your election coverage on NBC 10. But uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, B-Rock. There we go. All right. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Place Pod. And we will catch up with you guys later this week.